All right, time for another Sports Injury Central Pro Football Doc podcast here. Here with Jacob. This is the day after Super Bowl. And the day after Super Bowl 58. And yes, I apologize. My voice is a little raspy. Uh, long week in Radio Row, etc. Welcome to the show, show Jacob. Yeah, you got to be all talked out at this point. I can't even keep uh, track of how many shows you went on and radio appearances, Radio Row, Vegas, all that stuff. So glad well, you're here for the I'm podcast. Not, I'm nothing compared to uh, Sean Merriman. I saw him a bunch there. He's a workhorse. His guy said he did 119 shows. Oh, wow. Mind blown. <laughs> yeah. uh, I probably did, I don't know, 35, 40. I mean, that's a fair number, right? I don't yeah. know. I can't remember. Uh, Friday was actually very popular. Usually I'm not that popular on Friday because the big boys come in. Seems like the week has shifted to earlier. Seems like. Thursday was the busiest, and Wednesday a little busy. Well, you know, I was there all week, and it wasn't 119 shows like Sean Merriman, but yeah, uh, 35, 40, it's a fair amount. It was fun. It was fun to go on set with Rome in front of the Bellagio. The fountains were going off behind us. Um, some Fox shows, some outkick shows. Um, had a fun time chatting with uh, Donovan McNabb on his podcast show. I had, didn't really know him much before. Bunch of different ones. Uh, small world connected with, uh, reconnected with uh, Jacob Hester, who I know. His oh, partner, great. Max Starks, who I knew a little bit. And uh, Danny Cannell, they were all on a show, a serious show. Uh, Danny's dad is an orthopedist that I knew, so small world everywhere yeah well have to collect the name of guests for uh for the offseason or coverage shifts to uh nfl draft and uh nba coverage but definitely a long list of guests to get to yeah and um did have a uh, uh a friend south seth Payne and the houston guy said that uh they're very grateful our, our combine stuff last year, but in this time when I went on, he did hit press record. So <laughs> uh, he forgot to do that last time, I guess, and he never even told me. But we'll go straight into combine stuff. Michael Penix, obviously, and, and several others, and uh, we'll see what we can uncover here. Yeah, I know there's always a couple that pop up every draft. Uh, Tyree Wilson was, was funny how it evolved that, uh, Oh, list Frank, as long as it's fine, scans go back lid, and there's, oh, he had a second procedure. Oh, it doesn't match the timeline. So we uh, help you out with all those details. Yeah, we'll get continue with some medical detective work. The combines will be there. So uh, Super Bowl, um, you're disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> you're 49ers. Um, I thought it was interesting. Dre Greenlaw, uh, we're putting up Achilles tendon rupture. Right. It's funny. Um I don't know if it's because of Super Bowl. It's whatever the team wants to release. But pretty quickly, they said Achilles injury questionable, right? Yeah. Now, we were a lot more specific. Achilles tendon rupture, surgery, and done. But a lot of times, you know, you see when J.K. Dobbins was injured, it's ankle questionable. 
right? This time they were a little more specific, saying Achilles questionable. Obviously, questionable was not the case, right? Yeah. And uh, I think we had the good close-up of the reverberating calf and pop. And, yeah, it's interesting. In-game, uh, I don't think it was even halftime in rap sheet says Achilles tendon injury. So it just seems like the timeline is all sped up, partly by what we're doing, I suppose. Well, that was too bad uh, for San Francisco. But I was looking at the stats this morning. It's amazing to me that the Chiefs recovered six fumbles and the 49ers recovered only one. Now, a lot of the Chiefs' six fumbles were their own fumbles, but still. Yeah. <laughs> and as you know, they were bad snaps and what have you. But still, recovering six fumbles to recovering one, that's a big difference. Now. They were own fumbles, right, that didn't right. turn into turnovers. But anyone could have jumped on those. So, anyways. Six fumbles in, Patrick Mahomes throws a pick, and they're even on turnovers for the for the day. Yeah. was they Were they even or, or San Francisco minus one? I forget. I think San Francisco minus one, actually. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's just the one fumble. And then, uh, no, there's the, the uh, special teams fumble, too, I the one that hit hit the guy in the foot, the one that's impossible to avoid. <laughs> yeah. And then well, the um, earlier in the game. I know everyone's going to say, I told you I had the Chiefs and stuff the other. That's kind of why we were saying there's not a, if this were a week with 16 games, by injury, it wasn't that actionable. I mean, they're both close, they're both relatively healthy. The 49ers a little more healthy than the Chiefs, but. That's how you get to the Super Bowl. You're healthy, yeah. right? And so Thune did not play as expected. They were down the two linemen. McKinnon did a little bit, which surprised me a little bit. He didn't do a lot, but did a little bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, interesting, you know, Mahomes magic. I also find it interesting, the narrative that Kyle Shanahan didn't know the rules. Yeah, I had that on my list. It's the, the talk of the town today is that, Maybe it's more, I think what's more interesting is the psychology of picking going first or second. And I, there's no doubt in my mind that he knew the rules. I think Kyle Shanahan knew the rules, right? Yeah. I mean, a lot was made about Kansas City having known slash practiced the rules and the 49ers players maybe didn't. It's not that hard. I mean, uh, to uh, yeah, I, in the heat of the moment, but for your OC or DC to say, hey, guys, you do realize that, fill in the blank, you know? Yeah. Like when San Francisco's on the field, if we get a turnover, the ball game is over, or we field goal, then it becomes sudden death. Or, I mean, it's right. the concept isn't that hard. Um, I think it's philosophical to say, do you want the ball first? I mean, clearly, if it goes punt, punt, the next time you get the ball, it's uh, – sudden death now this rule right. was really from i forget the year um patriots falcons kyle shanahan was the oc yeah. in houston and uh because the patriots had that comeback they got the ball in overtime moved it down the field touchdown game was over right yeah and so that i never even touched oh, the so ball. quick 
after such a long, intense game, just <laughs> one possession. Yeah. Over. So uh, I did run into, uh, speaking of which, that game, as those of you saw my Twitter timeline, someone said was saying it was the anniversary of the 28-3 comeback game, and I, I posted a picture of uh, Super Bowl trophy, myself and Julian Edelman. I mean, he does not have a shirt on. And uh, <laughs> I ran across him, and for fun, I said, you remember this picture? You know what he said? He says, I do now. <laughs> <laughs> And I said, don't worry, I got you. You're like in your uh, skivvies, you know, your underwear. Yeah. He, goes, he goes, yeah, I had my long tights on, you know, <laughs> long pretty tights. I go, don't worry, I cropped it, so it's just your upper body. Um, but that was that from that game. But I, I could see it either way. Clearly, it's a potential advantage if it remains tied to right. get the ball for sudden death. Because if it were sudden death, everyone would take the ball, right? Yeah. And obviously a field goal, not sudden death. But here it's a touchdown, not sudden death, the first possession. But in sudden death, and remember the old school sudden death, where even a field goal, that was it. Everyone wanted the ball. Yeah. So Kyle Shanahan's, I want the ball first because I'm going to get it third can make some sense. And remember it's an open ended overtime. It's not just 10 minutes and you're tied like right. the regular season. It's 15 minutes and another 15 minutes. So time is not of the essence. So I can totally see the logic of I want the ball third because everyone in sudden death would want the ball, but it is countered a little bit by a, if you know what you need, you potentially have four downs to get it. Yeah. And it is potentially countered by what Andy Reid said. If there was a touchdown and we knew what we needed, we'd go for two the next time around. Yeah. You know? So depends on, and this way, not to not give the ball back to the other team in sudden death. They'd go for two. So that's a reasonable counter, but let's just put it this way. For media to say, and I'm not trying to defend Kyle Shanahan. I, right. I don't even really know him. I'm disappointed John Lynch didn't win the Super Bowl. I, I feel bad for him. And I love Patrick Mahomes, my family, you know, my son, and you know, the Taylor Swift, my daughter. But so I'm not mad at the result, but I think it's unfair to say the Casey guys team and players knew exactly what to do and the 49ers did not because wasn't it on national TV that Patrick Mahomes said I had to tell Michael Hardman who caught the game winning touchdown pass I had to tell him you just won the game we ended the game he didn't <laughs> know that was the end of the game right that was yeah. everywhere too so I think it's the narrative that the 49ers didn't know and all the Chiefs knew I don't know about that I mean I think you can make the argument of should you take the ball or not take the ball? I think some of the Niners players said afterwards that uh, that there wasn't really a team discussion on whether they should take the ball first or not, which which is kind of funny. I think that's uh, mainly up to the head coach. It's not like, hey, let's take a vote. Yeah, it is. A, <laughs> I mean. Maybe they felt 
they should be a little bit more involved in the process and maybe have a some spokesperson to talk to the head coach about it. But I don't, I don't know. It seems like that's that a coaching discussion. decision. As long as yeah. the coach knows what the decision process is, I think it's fine. I mean, right. players don't get to decide whether to go for it on fourth and one or fourth yeah. and two. Players don't get to decide <laughs> when to go for two versus kick the one, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, you can lobby sometimes, but the coach usually says, be quiet. I, I, I got this. Yeah, and I, and I see John, sorry, Kyle Shanahan's logic of getting the ball third in sudden yeah. death. I can see that. I'm not sure how much he factored in the fact that Andy Reid would go for two, right? You know, and if that were the case, and uh, if you thought you had a really good two point play, maybe they go for two, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who knows? I think it's a little bit that Mahomes just led the uh, the offense down the field for the the tying field goal. So maybe give the defense a break. Don't put them right back on the field by getting the ball first too. So factors in a little bit, but yeah, giving them four downs to go down the field pretty much. Well, the big uh, factor is if you know what you need, you have four downs to get it. That's a, definitely a clear, clear advantage, you know, which is why um, in the uh, game against Buffalo, I didn't hold it against Andy Reed when there was offsides on the extra point and he could have put it on the one to score two to go up four and you would right. say being up four is a big advantage to being up three yes and no there's no question you'd rather be at four than three but hey when you have patrick Mahomes, who's not ever under center and you don't run a sneak and your playbook is a little more wide open so a two-point conversion from the two or the one is not that that different in that situation. But more importantly, see, if you're up three and the other team is in field goal range, you might get conservative, and certainly you're not going to go for it on fourth down. You're going to kick, right, to tie the game. If you're up four, the opponent when it's fourth down on the 20-yard line, they're going to go for it, right? And maybe they don't get it. But if they do and they end up scoring a touchdown, you lose, right? It sort of changes the dynamics of how aggressive you need to be. And I think yeah. it's huge to have a fourth down where you know you're going to go for it as opposed to kick a field goal. So I don't know. It's for the coaches to decide and analytics people to decide. I know the uh, Hall of Fame selections came out, I think, two podcasts ago. We talked about uh, Patrick Willis. Although the seven years, it's more about being dominant at the top of the game. Well, that's uh, always been told by the Hall of Fame selectors. It's about being dominant. Look at Terrell Davis. He didn't yeah. play for very long, but he was changing the game dominant. I just don't understand Antonio Gates not getting that. Yeah. A lot of people are picking the, the Devin Hester getting in, not not like he got in over Antonio Gates, but interesting that a return specialist would get in versus Antonio Gates with his Pro Bowls and years of dominance and all that. I'm really know. glad that uh, Gates showed up and did all the media on Radio Row the next day anyways. Yeah, that was great. Mm-hmm. Not Yeah, obviously a lot of emotions going on for him. So Yeah, I think it would be easy for him to just say, I'm going to pass on this. I mean, it was supposed to be a coronation instead, you know. Right. It's quite different. But I talked to him a little bit. 
it was a PR person. I said, well, you know, there's always two sides or, you know, the, the contra to this is, is it to Gates that you're the number one story today. This is on Friday yeah. on Radio <laughs> Row. He was the number one story Yeah, on Friday. And, you know, maybe he's call some attention to it. Who knows? I think he handled. I think he handled it well. I think to duck the media would have been not so good. And I don't think he criticized the Hall of Fame selectors, but let the action speak. But I, I think he'll get in next year for sure. I, I would have to think. I mean, there's no way he's not getting into the Hall of Fame. I just want to shout out our basketball coverage. Uh, Jalen Brunson did come back um, on the 10th, which was uh, Friday from that left ankle sprain. So like I said, previous ankle sprains help him come back sooner. So good, good news for the Knicks. Well, the Knicks between Jalen Brunson, who's now back and Julius Randle, not back yet. And we're still not sure that he will make it back. Right. And then, uh, the other kid uh, whose name I won't yeah. even try and pronounce. <laughs> OG and an OB, right. He had the, yes. uh, right, right elbow surgery for the bone spur. Take that out. So. Chips, bone chips. Yeah. Uh, loose chips. Uh, that, that's three guys on one basketball team. That's yeah, that's quite a bit. Too. They're active at the deadline, maybe partly because of that, because they don't know if Julius Randle's coming back 100%. So definitely tracking that. All the latest uh, Terry Rozier's, the latest one that I was working on checklist. So I'll send it to you shortly, Doc. We'll have that up on the website. Uh, Terry Rozier from Miami Heat. And uh, yeah. Coverage continuing there, tracking the off-season news and uh, NFL draft stuff. Yeah, that's kind of where we're at. And then we'll start to uh, get into guests for the yeah. podcast, which is always in some ways the funnest time of year to be able to do guests, but also it's just a scheduling nightmare <laughs> to, uh, to do between guests. Between surgeries, between uh, – Kids sports for you, kids oh, yeah, sports and, for the and, guests and as well. Schedule, oh. My schedule, but also the yeah. guest schedule, right? We got to yeah. <laughs> schedule it where, where it makes sense. Um, yeah, definitely. But we can start to regather the list of people. But we'll have lots of talk about basketball and the combines and uh, uh, et cetera. It's a fun time, the uh, the off season. Yeah, absolutely. Plenty, plenty to talk about. Uh, Chicago Bears, first pick, all that stuff. So I'm sure there'll, there'll be plenty of discussion in the offseason. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so Washington hires Cliff Kingsbury, who actually yeah. worked with Caleb Williams last year. And now Chicago is saying, you got to pay King's ransom, otherwise we're not trading number one. <laughs> and... It's all a game, right? And yeah. the game is jack the price up for Chicago and perhaps create a market where it then makes Washington nervous that someone's going to go up above them at right. number one to get Caleb Williams. I mean, obviously, if someone is at one is doing uh, Drake May or, or, or Michael Penix, they don't seem to care it seems like they're going caleb williams right yeah so it'll be intriguing to see who goes over the top here or not yeah it'd be interesting 
see if uh, Chicago's really uh, settled on keeping Justin Fields too. It seems like that wasn't a lock going into the end of the season, but it seems like now that they're uh, they're saying you got to pay the Kings ransom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll we'll see. I I haven't studied the draft well enough to to know is there are there any other surefire and Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, I think he's up there. There's always a a defender, but yeah, we'll we'll dive into all that stuff. Well, that'll be pair him with DJ Moore. Yeah, can't go wrong there. That'd be pretty formidable. Or there's got to be an edge rusher, although they right. just signed uh, uh, the guy from Washington. Yeah, Montez Sweat. He Montez Sweat. Quite yeah. quite the impact after joining them. So they got got a lot of options on the table. That's for sure. All right. Anything else we got to talk about here, Jacob? I uh, know. Just forgot to mention that baseball coverage as well. We got the article up on Corey Seager's hernia surgery and a few others. I think Max Scherzer had a off-season surgery as well. So tracking that stuff along with basketball. Yeah. And um, who was it that had a second elbow surgery to move the nerve? Uh, I'm not remembering off the top of my head. Was that? Uh, that that might have been Scherzer. The Scherzer, yeah. Look, it's routine for ulnar collateral ligament surgery to move the nerve. Uh, Tommy John famously had a nerve palsy uh, because the nerve wasn't moved. So it is routine to move the nerve. I don't know if it wasn't moved the first time for some reason or they moved it further. It actually should not delay the recovery timeline. He's still not pitching in 2024. Right. But it shouldn't delay the recovery timeline. Oh, all. Felix Batista, I think, is the uh, the Batista, that's the one. Yes, yeah. he had the a second elbow surgery. Right, he had the surgery that. surgery in October initially. So, not a yeah, fits what you're saying. Doesn't affect the timeline for 2024. Sounds good. And uh, of course, our biggest prediction of the week is Taylor Swift would get there no problem with the time change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was didn't even look jet lagged. <laughs> I mean, it's not like she's flying middle seat coach. <laughs> Just yeah, the bed bed ready and everything. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, her I don't know what kind of plane she has, but it's yeah. it's much more than a lay flat seat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like hanging out in your living room for a little bit. <laughs> for 10, 12 hours. I mean, you can probably, her bed's more comfortable than your couch. You know, you can go into your room (laughs) and sleep in your bed and wake up and go watch a movie in the quote living room and you're there. (laughs) It's a little different. It's a little different. Definitely helps out. All right. Well, thanks for watching. Thanks for a great season. End of football season. Combines next. Basketball, baseball. We'll start our guest segments uh, we had some good meetings down at Radio Row with some good people. We got some new things coming here. But uh, uh, thanks for watching uh, Pro Football Doc Sports Injury Central podcast. Oh, and I'd be remiss to say that today is at the end of every team season. And this goes for, uh, well, first of all, the unusual thing about the Super Bowl is it's essentially the only time that teams don't leave right after the game. 
I mean, even the conference championships, you leave right after the game. During yeah. all playoffs, during regular season, you leave right after the game. But Super Bowl is the one time you do not leave right after the game. And uh, this is why the teams have private parties. Both teams, win or lose. Private setups for family and friends, uh, etc. Obviously, one party's more raucous than the other. <laughs> One's the consolation party, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's not set up as a consolation party. Right, it's set right. up as a post-game party, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. uh, it becomes a consolation. But in general, the day after the season is the busiest medical day because you have to do exit physicals and schedule off-season surgeries and figure out how much time to wait to get better or not get better. So you're seeing uh, all 53 guys and with the practice squad, you know, 68 guys wow and uh 68 people are a lot to see in, in a day <laughs> yeah, um, so the day after the season is always the busiest medical day of the year figure out everything off season even if it's for a free agent right yeah you need to get healthy and there are definitely more surgeries at the end of the season than during a season all right, so that's it for that and the uh, tidbits. Uh, thanks for watching and listening. Please leave a five-star review and subscribe on the YouTube channel here or Apple Podcasts, wherever you get this. And uh, we'll chat again next week.